This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Pete Lawton, aka Mighty Pete, host of the Fire in the Belly show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us on, Roman. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today in 2020? Oh boy, where do you want to start or where do you want to go through? Um, Real mix, I suppose, for me. Probably three years ago, I, I kind of, I was an autopilot about three years ago um, in a number of different ways. And, and really, for me, I'm, I'm now just turned 40 last year, soon to be 41. And I sort of got to 37 and a half years of my life. And through a number of things, really, it was sort of, a, I want to say a dark point, a difficult point in my life. And a lot, a lot happening in terms of things going on in my life inside my control, outside my control. And it's really at that point I started to ask the question, well, what if I'm taking control of my life? And that's ultimately where Fire in the Belly came apart or came into play just in terms of, you know, what what actually makes us tick? You know, what what is your desire? What's your passion? Until then, I was doing stuff for everyone else. I was doing stuff for, you know, what I thought was the right thing to be a good boy, to be, you know, achieving, to be, you know, it's kind of, very much sort of, um, you know, going along with society and things like that. So it's only really in the last three years I've sat back, asked the question and, and said, well, I couldn't have done any more in my life where I got to in terms of, you know, working. I mean, a very strong work ethic, you know, and certainly doing the hours and doing the time and everything else. And when I got to that point, I'm sort of sitting there going, the math just does not up here. You know, I'm, I'm physically, I was wrecked. Um, you know, mentally I'd lost a tooth from stress, you know, it's literally started grinding my, my teeth in my sleep and I couldn't have worked any more hours in the day. And, you know, the business was going downhill, you know, we were having to lay off staff. We were closing the business through a number of reasons and, and you're just scratching your head going, what's going on here? I mean, some people work less hours in the day, but yet have significantly more in terms of, you know, business and property and, and opportunity, et cetera. And yet, here's me, I can't work any more hours in the day. And if, you know, if I wanted more, I would have to work more. And the more I had to work, then the more staff I needed to support me. And the more staff I needed, then the more salaries I had to pay. And then the more work I had to do. So you just kind of go, and this formula is kind of messed up. You know, and I'm looking at successful people that I would see around me or people that I, you know, sort of would resonate with me or where I wanted to go. And I'm just going, my formula's changed. You know, it was wrong. I have to change my formula. I need to do something that breaks the pattern does something and that's kind of where I pretty much took the decision. Now I see it as a midlife opportunity, you know, and it can be whatever way you choose. Um, but I kind of took the decision to step back a bit and say, listen, I need to decide where I'm going. And from then, you know, at 37 and a half, statistically I'm kind of more or less at the midpoint of my life, you know, maybe just shy, but I could quite easily predict where I was going to end up if I kept on that trajectory. And don't get me wrong, I've done well and there's a number of parts of my life people would consider successful and certainly not for lack of gratitude, but in terms of, you know, am I fulfilling my potential? No. You know, am I where I could be? No. You know, and there's so much more I knew that was within me. 
And that's really where I decided. So ultimately my journey in many ways started three years ago, even though that was at 37 and a half years of my life, having gone through a lifetime of various things, you know, but um, I consider myself very uh, fortunate for, for my upbringing and everything that went on. I mean, there was, you know, I've, I've lost both my parents. I've had bouts of depression, um, you know, difficult times in my life, but um you know, it's at the same time as saying, well, I do, I, I still consider myself lucky. I mean, I don't have a, a dark story as such, you know, and, and some people have had things happen to them and all that. I didn't have that, thank goodness. Um, you know, but it's not to say there's times then little gremlins step in and things happen. But um, yeah, really it's in the last three years where sort of opportunity has started to come to play and kind of where fire in the belly came, to be honest, you know, and that was me scratching my head saying, you know, what's my fire in the belly, you know, and had the opportunity to speak to yourself, Roman, you know, about your fire in the belly and, and so many people. And it's great. You know, what's, what's a passion for me mightn't be for somebody else and vice versa. And that's okay. You know, we're all on different journeys. Thank goodness. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, I think it's important. Some people get to a point in their life, not necessarily midlife, some, sometimes at the end of their life and the things that they didn't kind of go after or break that habit or the things they've been doing for years, that's the, the things that they're going to regret in terms of not taking an opportunity or doing something professionally or personally or, or whatever you, you know, want to improve or jump into or something that you may have had on your mind that you never really, you know, kind of the trigger on or took the those steps like they were in your head but you never put them down on paper and then did the actions to kind of get closer to that goal or whatever it was so I think it's important at any point of your life as long as kind of you have breath and you can wake up the next day you can change the trajectory of your life absolutely you know and it's it, I think it's scary that one of the questions I like to ask people is in terms of you know do you like yourself do you love yourself and do you value yourself and it's it's scary. Like, I mean, ultimately the number, you know, it's sort of uneven odds in terms of those that come on the show and those that are published, you know, because on the, my mentorship side, you know, the, generally a lot of the times the ones that are saying, no, I can't answer that question. Do you love myself? And saying, well, actually, no, I can't stand myself. I, you know, there's so much about me that I'm not happy with. And that's, in some ways, it's heartbreaking. You know, it's like, never mind everyone else in the world. You can't stand your own skin. You can't stand who you are. And it's like going, that's, I find that really hard to swallow and I was there too. I mean, I, I can say, you know, um, you know, some people see it as an egotistical thing, but just as you say, you could get to the end of your life and maybe that you just don't know any better. It could be that, you know, so many of us are living life by circumstances that have happened to us. It could be the parents did the best that they thought was right and whether it was or it wasn't, or society has done certain things. And sometimes people wake up, sometimes they don't. Um, do you know, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. You know, it's like a lot of things and, and listen, abusive relationships, any sort of relationships, things that happen and you kind of go, how did it ever get to this? You know, you have to ask your question sometimes and you kind of go, well, do you know what? It wasn't that bad. So we just left it alone, you know, and good is almost, you know, good is not good enough. A lot of the ways you sort of saying it, it has to, it should either be, it's either excellent or it's not, you know, there should be no gray areas in many ways because, that's the, almost the problem with a salary, with a job, you know, where it's kind of, it's, it's good enough to feed you and keep things rolling, but actually it's not enough to make you fat and it's not enough to, you know, let you, you know, sort of retire or sort of change hobbies and, and live your passion. So you're kind of stuck in an in-between environment and, and it's almost, that's more deadly in terms of, you know, how are you doing? Yeah. Okay. 
you know, it's kind of going, wow, what do I do with that? You know, it's just like trying to massage an octopus. It's kind of bound to be very unsatisfying. You know, it's just, there's nothing there, you know, and the passion's just not, it's not bad enough to change. It's not good enough to, you know, actually sort of jump out of bed and do it, you know, so it takes a bit of strength, but it's, it's different, you know, how we all get to where we are in life. Yeah, and uh, ultimately, you're the one that has to decide to make that change. Nobody's going to do that for you. So if you're looking for something, somebody else to do something or act a certain way or hope an opportunity comes around, if you don't take initiative and the steps to reach that or, you know, mend a relationship or build something or do anything, it's most likely than not, not going to happen. So. Yeah, taking responsibility for your own life. Um, it's so it's it's so key. I mean, there's so many sayings and so many things, you know, kind of throwaway comments that people can, you know, it's all about, you know, we, we hear stuff and motivational stuff. And for me, you know, and this is why I suppose fire in the belly resonates with me so strongly. I, I kind of think you can you can pray till you're blue in the face and you can wish and hope and you can do all these things, but until you find your natural frequency, until you find what it is you love to do. And I, I genuinely believe we all resonate, we all vibrate at a certain point and certain things that actually align to us. You know, and that, listen, that could be, you know, could be doing podcasts, it could be, you know, helping people, it could be, you know, fostering kids, it could, you know, there's, there's a million different things, thank goodness, you know. And if that's something that you live and breathe, I mean, you generally know when someone's found their passion, their fire in the belly is simply is because they don't shut up. You know, that's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a giveaway because they're so passionate and they're vibrant about it, you know, and you hear the expression, like if you, you know, if you're living, doing your passion, then you'll never work a day in your life, you know, because it's almost like this, this infinite energy potential because, it just, it makes total sense to you. There's no resistance in what you're doing. And, you know, the, the how is no longer a question. It's kind of, who can I speak to? What can I do? And, you know, finding that and, and it's, you know, it's sad when people don't find it. And, you know, there's so much opportunity and stuff out there for, for people to do it. And listen, it can be anything. It can be crazy. And, you know, they talk about the ripple effect. They talk about the law of compounding. There's so much. And, your niche could be as narrow as, you know, I know for yourself in terms of digital marketing and SEO, or it could be a certain niche of fostering a certain type of child or a certain process or whatever. And you can in some ways very easily be a world expert in that, you know, depends if you follow the 10,000 hour rule or others. But, you know, if you do that, not that you necessarily want to be the world expert, but when you niche that closely and you, you drill down in that and you, you know, a bit like in that book, Essentialism, they talk about applying all your pressure and force and, and desire on one point as opposed to spreading it over 10. You know, that's that's a really key thing, you know, that you can focus your mind and accept that, yeah, okay, this, you know, winning is almost, you know, admitting and letting things go. You know, when you can, you know, winners should actually sort of drop things and should take things off their agenda, you know, because otherwise we can all be a bit of an expert at everything and but not necessarily be a specialist. It's one thing, you know, we're all sort of desperate to try and keep clinging on, you know, don't know if that makes any sense, but. Yeah, it does. And I mean, for me personally, I think people mistake, you may, you mentioned prayer. So when I'm praying, I'm not necessarily asking for things. I'm just, you know, being grateful in terms of, for me, for, to, to Jesus Christ, people come and pray and ask, you know, I, 
usually for, you know, superficial things. I mean, a lot of times we are human, you know, get me this job, this and that, but oftentimes, okay, I want to be successful. I, I want to be wealthy, but like, it's like faith without works. So, okay, you're asking for that, but what are you doing in the meantime to get to that with that faith? So if you're just simply wishing and hoping without anything in terms of like you actually taking an action, because I mean, anything in life is hard work that's meaningful and that's worthwhile. It's it's a journey for anything, any direction you go, but you can't just sit there on a the couch. Okay. You know, I prayed or I'm thinking positively and, and it's going to happen. Like you need to take action. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a quote from, uh, it's the start of the, the chicken soup for the soul book and the, and I can't remember who the quotes by, but Mark Victor Hansen and, um, Jack Canfield talk about it, you know, and saying you can go to the forest, find the biggest tree you can. And if you just take five good swipes at it every day, ultimately it's only a matter of time before that tree comes down. You know, and if you apply the same logic in many ways, you know, and same with all of us that, you know, it, it is a bit of faith, but you gotta, you gotta take a swipe at the tree. You gotta do something. You can't just hope and pray and hum and go, listen, yes, it's, it's, you know, it's going to happen. Now, I'm not saying you have to work on the how, but certainly you've got to, you know, you've got to be there putting the work in and saying, right, moving towards it. So whether, as you say, that be just actually putting an action in or moving towards it, and fair enough, it mightn't be the right action or it may or may not lead you the right way. Or in fact, it might open you up to a new opportunity. But, you know, if you're not actually trying, I mean, there's all those analogies and, you know, lead a horse to water and all that good stuff, you know. But ultimately, you know, I just love like the power of compounding, you know, and today I was working out as you do, you know, like 1% of the day is, is 14.4 minutes, you know, but then if you take like a 1% change compounded daily over a year, it's like a 3000% change. I mean, as in 300 times better, you know, so like, what could you do in 14.4 minutes? You know, what could you bring forward? It's, and sometimes it doesn't have to be monumental steps. It just needs to be little things every day consistently. And, you know, I mean, we talked before we came on about kids screaming and stuff going on and life's busy and, you know, who's got the money and who's got this and I've got this and I've got 50 things to do. And, you know, it's just even in that is like, can you still, you know, find a passion or find something that you're willing to spend that time on? that actually today you might send two emails or five emails, you know, tomorrow you might ask five questions. The next day you might do, if you can do five things every day, you'll just see massive amount of change, you know, and that really resonates with me. And yes, put it in place with faith, but prayer to me is when you've already set your goals, you've already set, you know, what, where you want to go. You know, that's ultimately your, your sort of destiny is out there and you, you've visualized it. Well, prayer is to help you to actually, in my mind, you know, and it's, listen, everyone's different, but it's actually to help you to actually put that into place and to sort of, for the right people to necessarily come along or the right contacts or things like that. But you know where you're going in the first place. You know, you have to take responsibility for the journey. You don't just say, listen, please, I, I hope that everything's great. Well, wow, what do I do with that? You know, I hope everything's safe and normal, you know, and it's it's not clear. And the clearer you are and the, and the more with your goals and your visualization. I do a lot of bucket work list and I love the bucket, you know, the bucket list simply because it bypasses our conscious mind, you know, and people sort of associate it with death and it's kind of going, well, it doesn't have to be, but what it does do is bypass the ego and, and bypass all the sort of the normal, but you can't do that or, but I haven't enough money or whatever. So it actually sets a dream out there. So once you have the dream or, 
you know, once you, what you would have and you'd love to do, you hear about the love language. Well, then suddenly, then you can start praying for that. You might go, well, help me to reach my goal. And I have set a goal and I know what I want to do and I can taste it, I can touch it, I can see it, see it I can feel it, you know, all in my mind. So all we're doing now is, you know, the end is, the end is already decided. All the prayer is doing is actually helping you through that journey to continue to give you the strength and, you know, really take you on your path and offer guidance and faith at the right times. Because there is times you're going to get tired and going, what the hell am I doing? Where am I going? So suddenly then, you know, you can actually get a bit of assistance on way. So that's, that's to me what prayer sort of comes into and faith and all those things. But, you know, it has to go one in hand. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time with different parts of your life and things you had going on. But what currently motivates you to succeed? You know, it's a very good question. Um, at this point in my time, and you're right, it has changed a huge amount in terms of previously it was chase the money, chase the money, chase the money. And, you know, what can I do? And there was ego in there. And am I seen? And, and you know, am I, you know, how much noise can I make on the way that people will sort of, but that was actually me sort of searching for a bit of meaning, searching for a bit of recognition, you know, a bit of connection, love, you know, all those key things. Now for me, it's, it's kind of, yes, it's, it's, it's back to connection um, in terms of, you know, sort of the, the work I do with people and the, and the podcast, it's, you know, sort of trying to connect to people on a fairly deep level. Um, but it's actually, I suppose it's just trying to, um, you know, be, be, be quiet and want to do in fact, and just learning. So I want to be able to, to be out there learning and, um, just growing every day. I mean, up till three years ago, I mean, universities and colleges, like you could burn the building down. I was done with it. You know, I'm not, I'm not ever going back there. And, it's actually since then I've realized I'm going to be learning to the day I'm lowered into the ground, you know, and actually I'd, I'd like to learn more. And I know every person I speak to can, you know, if they can just teach me one thing and they can, I know they can, you know, and, and that sort of growth and that sort of, I don't know, but I'll find someone that can and I'll keep trying and keep just pushing away. But there's a hunger there. There's a desire of knowing that, you know, we, knowing is a huge subject. I, I say, I know a lot. You know, and it's like one of those things on radio or whatever. It's like, don't say, um, is that, um, what? <laughs> but I actually say, I know a lot. And then, but I love words. So when you actually, you know, boil it down and say, well, what does I know mean? And it's like, I know I'm capable of more. Well, okay, well, where's that voice come from? You know, I know. So part of me knows that actually there's more in there that I'm just not unleashing, you know, my potential. You know, so it's almost straight away. I'm like going, well, I've got what I know says I can do and what I'm actually currently doing. So my desire is actually to try and tap back into that a bit um, and see what's possible. I got to 37 and a half years on, an, on a good trajectory. And, you know, I've, I've done okay for myself and all the rest. But now I'm kind of going, well, what if? You know, what it drives me now and going, that's Jim Carrey, the what if, uh, the, the yes man. You know, what if I said yes to everything? What if I just kept going? What if I did one thing a day? What if I did 14.4 minutes of stuff a day? What, what would happen, you know, and it, it just is kind of going, wow, this is, this is interesting. You know, take a different view and take a different plan and just keep pushing. So it's a, it's a thirst, it's a hunger, it's a desire. I, do I know where it's going to end up? Hell no. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm interested. I'm enjoying the journey for once. I've actually, I'm pleasure driven, you know, in terms of it's, I'm not doing it necessarily uh, directly for money or anything like that. It's, it's kind of going, well, I don't know. Let's, let's just see where we go. Let's, 
you know, just put it out there and put it out to the universe and talk to people. And, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And even in the short time we're doing it, we're, you know, I've written a chapter for a book. My own book's coming out. I'm doing a TED talk. I'm speaking at different events, you know, and this is all, bearing in mind, 18 months ago, I had no interest in talking to anyone, you know? So how ironic is that really? Yeah, I think it's important to keep learning and learning from every kind of experience. I mean, personally, every guest I have on, I try to learn at least one thing and implement from that conversation or look into it some more and shows or interviews I do look into that institution or that show or, you know, that content and see what I can learn from it. Because personally, I think the kind of being stagnant and not learning is being complacent. And that's kind of the death of innovation. So if you're not learning, you're just stopped. You know what I mean? And you can't kind of reinvent yourself and and kind of be passionate. I mean, for me, it's it's interesting to learn new things and improve myself. And in terms of being in an ever-changing kind of industry, I, I have that benefit because, you know, digital marketing keeps changing in terms of, um, new technology in terms of new tactics. So it, the internet keeps changing. So I'm forced to adapt and learn. I mean, obviously there's there's roles and, and jobs out there. I mean, if you're a, a carpenter or you're a roofer, there's only so many ways you can put on the roof. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not that, much, that much innovation in certain industries. So you have to kind of keep your mind sharp in that way, or at least, you know, I do. Absolutely. I mean, and but what's probably common is the way you do your work. You know, the technology, the end piece of the tools you use might change, but the sort of application, the way you approach it, the way you do it. And, and funny, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment and like it's from like the 1970 something. Um, and I think, I mean, the smell of it and, and the, <laughs> the, the sort of the markings of it suggest it hasn't been opened since 1970. And yet, all the information in that is actually as relevant, if not more relevant, you know, and here's a, here's a book now that's, what's that 50, nearly 50 year old, which is not that old, but you know, it's kind of, in fact, if anything, I see more original text there, you know, in terms of that, but you know, have there been, I don't know, a million billion books since then? Yes, absolutely. But there is a common principle. There's, you know, there's a methodology there, you know, yeah, sure. It's a bit on PC and there's a few things about it, you know, you would change, but that's okay. You know, but with digital marketing, it's more, what, what's your attitude? What are you coming into it with? You know, what are you trying to gain or what's your passion? You know, and if you're kind of going, well, listen, okay, we've got change. Fantastic. What's our opportunity here? As opposed to going, oh God, we've got change and I have to change all my bloody stuff again. I have to do this and oh, my client's going to want this and that and all the rest. And you're just going, wow, I'm bored listening to you and you're sucking the energy out of me and mood hoover all the way. And, and it's just crazy, you know? So is it an opportunity? Is it that, you know, and it's, listen, I'm not saying I'm the last person to be, you know, up on a high every day of the week, you know, but now it's kind of going, I'm, I'm clearing my goal and I love talking to people and even, you know, there's different people you might, so I'm not sure how that served me, but actually, do you know what? I've learned something or I've gained something. Um, and there's times where I'm saying it might be that it served them or that serve me and that's okay. You know, so, um, life does change, you know, but, I think if you go in with the right ethos, I talk to people about, you know, what's your mantra? What's your ethos? What's your purpose? Um, and even if you're, you know, your ethos is saying, well, I want to do my best every day, you know, the very simplest thing and saying, well, well that's cool. Live by that. You know, I want to do my best or do one thing every day or learn something new for every person I meet. That's a great overarching. It doesn't matter what tech's in place, what changes and challenges are coming up down the road, but it's all there and up for grabs really. 
Yeah. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Wow. Uh, deep one. <laughs> There's probably a lot. Um, probably a key thing, and I suppose I'm going right back to even, even in my teenager years and probably slightly after is the power of listening. Um, and it's actually ironically what I'm doing my TED talk on is the power of listening. Um back you know my teenager years i had more to say than i was willing to listen and it's kind of ironic now i have more to you know i actually have more to say but now i'm more interested in listening you know and the more i hear the more i realize i haven't heard and there's more you know um and that's that has been a weakness um you know because it's everything from ego so you, you see why people are sort of talking nonstop or doing what they're doing um, and it's because quite often they want to be heard or they're looking for love and connection or they're trying to impress upon somebody um, you know 50 things but I think when you can listen and I mean sort of as in physically listen I think as in emotionally listen you can listen with your eyes you can listen with the energy um, and even the words and the tone and the content and the you know the the context it's just like you know, there's so, there's so much to it. And it's, for me, it's only, and even listening to myself, it's only since I've, I had to slow down. You know, I was, I was sort of on a fast track when sort of my time in London and and I was on a fast track to the crazy train, you know, and that's just physical burnout. I pushed myself that hard. I was burning the candle both ends and in the middle. And then more recently when I'm, I'm kind of going, my formula is wrong. And, you know, why don't I just sit down and listen? And if you actively listen, and it's ironically, I mean, outside of this environment, I struggle, but yet, you know, give me a purpose and intent and a microphone and all that. And I'll go into listening mode where I'm sort of trying to, to do that. And that's been a massive change for me. I mean, what I've heard from people and not taking it personally, just trying to see their perspective, you know, I mightn't agree with them. I may agree with them, who knows, but you know, if you can understand their reason for their why, then suddenly you learn so much and you might go, well, okay, I can see why they made that decision. You know, the old adage of walk a mile in another man's shoes, you know, and you kind of go, I can understand the reason why, but actually maybe I'd done it different. Maybe I wouldn't, but I've learned this and then try somebody else and and keep speaking. So that's, that's been a major change for me is actually sitting down and listening. And I'm amazed at how much it empowers people, you know, and, even when I'm doing it and people, you know, I'll be listening, listening to people and they'll get to the end of the conversation. They're like going, wow, it was a great conversation. Thanks very much. And I'm sitting here going, I I literally said about 20 words, (laughs) you know, and that was perceived as a great conversation. But listen, how often in life do we, do we actually get a chance to sit down and speak without judgment, without, you know, under duress or under a time limit or without somebody else on the other side competing to talk to us and all these things. It's, it's like, it just doesn't happen. Life is so busy. Marketers are trying to, you know, tell us what to do. You know, friends are trying to tell us. Social media is trying to tell us. And, and at what point does anyone turn around and said, what do you want? You know, what what is your thing? You kind of go, oh, okay. Gosh, I haven't, I haven't really thought about it for a while, you know. So even listening to yourself, which for me, I need, I need to slow down. I need calmness. I need to give space. I need to go for a walk. I mean, I, I generally get sort of my intuitive whisper in the shower, and when I go out in a long walk, and it's a whisper. It doesn't repeat itself. It's a whisper. It's kind of, how do you do this? 
I was like, what was that? Shit, I missed it. I missed it. What, what was that? That was a moment of insight. It was golden nugget and it's coming out of my brain. And yeah, it's like, God damn it, I missed it. You know, so I have to be quiet. I have to be listening. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you know, I just get some great moments of insight. But it's also trusting your own, you know, stuff you come up with, which generally people are going, yeah, I got feeling. Yeah, I listened to myself, but yeah, better not do that. But actually that was such, that was the power. That was, you know, the actual potential that was speaking to you. But so, yeah, in a very, very long answer, listening is probably something that I think is a weakness and now has become a strength. Yeah, I think that comes with obviously life and experiences. And usually uh, you get that in terms of all those variables and contribute to your emotional IQ and emotional empathy. So you, I think, in turn, become a better listener. Most of us, obviously, there's people 40, 50, 60, 70 years old that are still kind of, you know, self-absorbed, I guess, have the ego, have those kind of very standoffish, I guess, qualities in terms of not really getting in touch with someone on a level like if you listen like you said sometimes all you need is to listen to really understand the person and that person value that all you did is listen because that person may not have anyone in their day that actually stops and not interjects or says something or tries to trump that thought just genuinely listening to it and contributing to it you know how you can yeah and it's I suppose the more the more people I talk to and the more people I interview and stuff like that, where, you know, you start to recognize the language, you start to recognize patterns quicker. Um, and now it's almost like a wee game. It's like going, okay, what are they saying? And then you sort of listen and, and I try and sort of close my eyes. I'm not watching them and saying, what am I hearing? What are the key trigger words? So I'm trying to work out, are they, you know, kinesthetic? Are they visual? Are they auditory? You know, you know, this is how I feel. Okay, so that's adding, edging towards kinesthetic, you know, what do you hear? Okay, your auditory, you know, and you know, what do you see? Okay, your visual. So that's all just the way that's that's the sort of almost basic level in terms of how we think. So if you can resonate with somebody there on that level, so saying, right, well, okay, they're using very kinesthetic language to me. If I if I go back and say, you know, so how do how do you um you know what what do you hear when I say that? They're kind of going, what do you mean? You know, whereas you come back to somebody who's kinesthetic and you say, Well, how does that make you feel? Okay, that makes me feel sad. Okay, I get that. You know, so um, it's once it's a game, but it kind of probably kind of is. It's almost this, you know, how do you connect with somebody? And then, listen, if we don't have connection, I think, I mean, even even, you know, we can have good connections, we can have bad connections. You know, if you were isolated in life, I think that's what all humans crave is connection. You know, and and it's it's valuable connection. You know. We, if, if you have a connection that's not good for you or, you know, certain people that you meet in life will actually, their energy and your energy will actually increase energy. That that creates the, the power of that connection when you come together. You feel great. There's energy given off in the, you know, in the rapport and the get together. And then other, you know, other times it's not. Now, you know, so I'll try and either, you know, connect with them and resonate and use their language, which actually helps to enforce the energy. That's no different to marketing. It's no different to sales, no different to anything form of thing and you know but that actually allows you to to communicate on a, on a lower level and then you can i mean i've been amazed and i mean there's people i've met and you kind of think do you know what um and shame on me there was a guy in particular and um when i was working in a, an office in london and he was an engineer and he was hard work you know and it was kind of you know the mood would just drop down as he comes into the room you know 
And uh, anyway, working late one night, and I think it was like a Thursday night. And anyway, I ended up sort of leaving the office, and it was dead quiet. But anyway, him and me ended up getting getting in the lift, and I just happened to say to him, you know, I was like, well, what's any plans for the weekend? You know, he says, oh, well, I'm going away, and what are you doing? You know, and he says, oh, I'm going hunting. You know, and he was, and it was clay pigeon, clay pigeon shooting he was doing. You know, and uh, but that man's energy completely shifted. I mean, you know, went from monotone, boring work, whatever, to suddenly elevated his, his, his language patterns up and down. He's using the love languages. I love to do this. I want to do this. And, you know, all that. And I'm going, wow. You know, and, and ever since that relationship absolutely blossomed because I've listened to him. I've connected to him. You know, I can sort of say, well, how was the weekend? Did you get off hunting? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And suddenly he's on a different level. And that's just a really simple context and, and you know, from listening to someone. And it's like, well, okay, well, if he's got this to share and his passion, his energy and his belief, what else is, you know, I believe everyone has a passion. Everyone has a, something that they will actually radiate in energy whenever they talk about it and whatever it might be, you know, and it can be quite often, it's not, you know, we can be good at things, but it doesn't mean we're passionate at things. You know, you can be, I don't know, it could be a, I could be a good podcaster, but it doesn't mean I'll sort of sit and talk, you know, for me, my good is property. I, I, I invest in property and that's my thing. You know, it's like, do, is that what I want to do for the rest of my life? No. You know, if I, if money and time were no object, would it be investing in property? No. You know, so, but yet the likes of podcasting or speaking to other people, that's something I'll do. You know, money is not my orientation and, and even the time it's going to go, I'll make time. So you start to see the difference there. And, but again, you see, you know, through that process, and I believe you talk to anyone, you know, as you know, my podcasts are quite long and you talk to anyone for that period of time. And I believe it actually unlocks, you know, there's a subconscious part of them starts to come out to play and they've just never had a chance to, to let it out to play. And then suddenly they recognize their own language and they start to see patterns. And sometimes they see it, sometimes I see it. And Next thing you know is like, well, you do realize you've just said this four times and you, you sort of use the love language and, you know, you're sort of saying, well, why, why didn't you just, I don't know, become a DJ or whatever it was that you were passionate about? And they kind of go, well, man, I used to be, I had no money and I used to have this. And it's like, well, actually, do you know what? I really love doing that. Why, why don't I do it? You know, and suddenly you see the penny drop and then. You know, if you say, well, it wouldn't be that hard to do it as part-time or you just research it at night or do whatever you do. And suddenly I call it my golden thread. You know, when you find that, you know, needle in the haystack and suddenly you start pulling it and going, God, you know what? I'd love to do this. And you catch yourself Googling at two o'clock in the morning. That's generally a good telltale that you're on to a bit of a passion project, whatever it might be. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you may have for the audience, personal or professional? Um, one that probably actually spans over both is learn how you learn. Um, sort of close to me in terms of, you know, it was only really in the last two years, I, I was properly diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. Um, before then, I mean, I was sort of artificially stimulating myself through coffee, through cigarettes, through everything else. Um, through school, I was kind of like the Jay Shetty video, you know, it's kind of going with it, you know, like teaching a fish how to climb a tree. I was kind of me. I kind of, I got through and I was okay. And, you know, all my reports said, you know, could do better if he, if he applied himself. And I'm like, well, 
screw this, I am. That is me trying, you know. <laughs> You're telling me I'm not trying hard enough or I'm not applying myself. And so I think even learning how you learn. So, and that may well be, it may be visual, it may be auditory, it may, you know, does it work for you to sit down and, and read or, you know, write or, or listen? You know, and one of the things, and, and interestingly for dyslexia, the way they test you is, you know, so they'll do, you know, the sort of reading skills, writing skills and, and mark you on that. And then there's interpretation and there's visualization and things like that. So the definition for dyslexia for me was that actually I'm below average in regards to reading and writing. That doesn't mean that I can't read and write. I can. It's just I'll never do it for leisure or pleasure because it just takes a bit more processing for me. However, when you come to um, imagination or yeah, imagination and visualization, uh, and interpretation, those things I am super high in. So I'm a big doodler. Um, I'm a big creative thinker. I can think outside the box and, you know, someone's describing something to me and I can, I'm thinking in my head and I'm, I'm going off here. Whereas other people say, I need to sit down and write it down. I don't. I'm, that's that's okay. But actually those skills bring me above average in terms of IQ. So I've got this real sort of mix um, in terms of, you know, that sort of skill base. And, you know, learning how you learn then suddenly, since even the diagnosis there two years ago, I'm saying, right, well, okay, because it used to be when I was previously working and I had the youth and I had the time and all the rest, I would I would have a one-hour meeting and it would take me three hours to prepare the, the minutes, do all the follow-ups, everything else. It was just crazy, like going, you know, I would do it. I would spend extra time to it. I would do it my own time and all. And, and everyone going, wow, this is amazing. You're doing a great job. But it was so time-hungry and inefficient. Whereas now I say, right, well, if you want to have a meeting, let's do it on Zoom. We'll record it and I'll send you the recording. One hour meeting, done, dusted, an hour and five minutes and the work is complete. If it's really good and, and there's something really juicy in there, I'll then send it off to get transcribed. So suddenly you're going, right, well, okay. That was a one hour meeting. We've got it transcribed so I can actually read the words back. We can do this. I can word search. I can do all that. Great. I haven't actually lumped it onto myself because I know I will not do the reading and writing for leisure or pleasure. So learn how you learn. Since doing that, I've basically, I've got into audiobooks, you know, and I went from probably reading one book in the last five years to last, well, last year. Um, I'd listened to about 70 odd books on Audible. I listened to another 30 odd this year already and there's loads more. And, you know, it's just, it's been a game changer. So suddenly I'm soaking up information again, you know, and it's it's sort of, forgiving myself and saying, yeah, I'm probably not going to sit down and, and voluntarily read a book, but that's okay. Cause I can soak it in through, you know, audible and, you know, audiobooks, And then I know that I need to listen to them at like 1.2 or 1.5 times speed, because if it's too slow, I get bored. If it's too fast, I switch off. So finding that sort of right speed for that author and how I learn, it has to be fast enough that keeps me sort of hooked on, but not too fast that I sort of fall off. So um, it's, it sounds really basic, but you're know, learning that and, and, you know, what way you're biased and, and things like that. So yeah, learn how you learn is a, is a pretty key thing. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I feel like the audio format is so superior because, you know, people don't want to necessarily read a blog post or a publication all the way through, but they're more inclined to multitask because I mean, it, in terms of audio, multitasking is really the only 
medium that you can really do something else and still get something out of listening. So I can't drive a car and watch a video. I mean, I'm sure there's people that do it and not safe and doesn't really end up well or reading or obviously texting or looking at an image or a meme or whatever. But with that, you know, audio uh, format, you can really consume information. I think it's the same way. I, I don't, for some reason, I haven't really been tested for dyslexia or anything like that, but I just like don't like reading. Like listening to things is the way I consume information. And sometimes I'll play an audiobook while I'm working and then something just like stands out. I'll stop it, I'll rewind it, and then I'll jot it down. And that's kind of how I learn and how I expand on the theme or what I, I want to learn learn about. And that, that, that may not work for somebody else, but you, like you said, find the, the optimal way to for you to pick things up and, and you know, carry that over. Absolutely. And, and it's, I think it's being forgiving yourself too. It's, you know, don't keep, don't keep buying books on, on Amazon just because someone else did or whatever. And, and you kind of go, I'm never going to read the damn thing. And it's just going to sit on the shelf and just piss me off because eventually I know I'm not going to read it until eventually I, many, many years later, I grew up the strength to give it away or hope it sort of disappears or something, you know, so we, we sort of visually beat ourselves up. Whereas you kind of go, listen, it's okay. Just reading is not my thing right now. And it, it could be that it changes, you know, when you're not busy with kids and, you know, being stimulated by 50 million other things going on around you. You know, it's the old adage of, I can't remember, it's, um, there's been a couple of talks and Mel Robbins talks about it, you know, saying that we take on like 11 million bits of information per minute, I believe it is. You know, it might even be per second, but it's, you know, so... But consciously, we can't do that. Subconsciously, we can take it on. You know, it's like we're, we're sitting here and I'm not sort of wondering how my liver's functioning right now and what temperature it is. And then what's that funny noise off in the distance? And, you know, all the millions literally of other things, all I can do is really think consciously of about 50 things. So like, well, why not actually silence our brain or, you know, sort of find ourselves in a place that where we can take it on. So it may be auditory. Now, maybe they have to listen to it twice, but that's okay. Or as you say, when you're driving a car, that's great because your conscience, conscious is actually driving the car, keeping you safe. So that means like the door is wide open to your subconscious. So you're taking all this stuff in. You, as you say, you might, you might sort of hear it and you might not, but it's amazing what you do pick up and, and giving your brain credit for going, listen, probably, well, I mean, they say 95% is probably more. Like 99% of your brain is just in receiving mode, listening mode, processing mode. And you sort of think that it's not listening. And it's like, yeah, there's a hell of a lot more going on there than we ever give ourselves credit for, you know, and that's sort of subconscious side. So auditory, I think is, is fantastic. And I, I love it, you know, and, and makes such a, such a huge difference. Yeah, I agree, obviously. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Sure. So, um, you know, the fire in the bellies on all the sort of all the normal uh, good uh, podcast platforms. So that's the key one. So, um, you know, people can see it there. Social media, again, we're fireinthebelly.net is the, the main website. And then we'll have fireinthebelly.net forward slash podcast is the podcast. Fireinthebelly.net forward slash YouTube is YouTube is YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, again, I'm on all the main social media channels. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.